I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. I say that there is no house like Netherfield, no equal to it in the country. Have you ever seen such exquisite furnishings in all your life? Oh, no cost has been spared, to be sure. It is little wonder Jane has been so reluctant to recover. Oh, I should remain ill for all my days if it meant I could rest in such a house. Oh, Mary, hurry up. Kitty, Lydia, come along. How very good to see you all. I, I trust you are well. Quite well, Mr. Bingley. I thank you. Will you have tea? Oh, such a kind offer. Please, join us. Your two eldest are still upstairs. I have never seen such faithful care of a sibling as I have witnessed in Miss Elizabeth. I trust Jane is quite recovered? Entirely. And I believe we must credit Miss Elizabeth for much of that. Oh, Mr. Bingley, you are too generous. Your careful attentions to the comfort Jane has been enjoying have surely made their illness a pleasure. I cannot say whether it was a pleasure, though they have borne it with the greatest patience in the Which world. is always the way with Jane, for they have, without exception, the sweetest temper I have ever met with. You have a sweet room here, Mr. Bingley, and a charming prospect over the gravel walk. You will not think of quitting it in a hurry, I hope, though you have but a short lease. At present, I consider myself as quite fixed here. Darcy, won't you join us? Oh, Miss Darcy. I trust you are well? I am. 
Thank you. Mm. Mr. Bingley was telling us how fixed he is at Netherfield. I hope only that you are enjoying your stay here as much as he is. How very different it must be from town. Yes. In a country neighborhood, you move in a very confined and unvarying society. I cannot see that London has any great advantage over the country. The country is a vast deal pleasanter. Is it not, Mr. Bingley? Mary! Well, when I'm in the country, I never wish to leave it, and when I'm in town, it is pretty much the same. They have each their advantages, and I can be equally happy in either. But as to not meeting with many people in this neighborhood, I believe there are a few neighborhoods larger. I know that we dine with four and twenty families, and I believe you have enjoyed the company of several of those already. Indeed we have. Only the other night we dined with the Lucas family. What an agreeable man Sir William is, and his daughter, Miss Charlotte Lucas. She's a very pleasant young woman. Oh, dear, yes, but you, you must own she is very plain, in particular when placed next to my eldest. I, I do not like to boast of my own child, but to be sure, Jane, well, one does not often see anybody better looking, is what everyone says. <laughs> oh, Lizzy. Hello, Mama. Jane is still dressing, but they will be down presently. I am glad to hear it. I am sure they wish to take their time in looking well, though it is never hard for them to do so, as I was only just saying. Do you know, when they were only 15, there was a man in town so much in love with them that we were sure they would make them an offer. But he did not. However, he wrote some verses on them, and very pretty they were. And so ended his affection. There has been many a one, I fancy, overcome in the same way. I wonder who first discovered the efficacy of poetry in driving away love. I have been used to consider poetry as the food of love. Of a fine, stout, healthy love, it may. Everything nourishes what is strong already. But if it be only a slight, thin sort of inclination, I am convinced that one good sonnet will starve it entirely away. <laughs> I long to know what amuses you so. The both of you have had such smiles upon your faces since arriving. Mr. Bingley. Mr. Bingley, we only thought... Netherfield is such a very splendid house. And you've not yet had opportunity to meet all the best families here. Occupied as you have been with Jane these last days. It would be a shame to go longer without making new friends. Won't you hold a ball here, Mr. Bingley? Lydia. <laughs> you shall name the day. Oh, do you promise, Mr. Bingley? I would never offer something so happy as a ball without the promise of it. <laughs> oh, Jane, how very lovely you look. Why, illness has brought such brightness to your eyes. It is a wonder. I'm sorry to see you go, but I have promised only a moment ago that we shall very soon hold a ball here at Netherfield. Mr. Bingley, I cannot ever fully express my thanks. I only hope the next time we meet we shall all remain in perfect health, for I would be quite sorry to be unable to share a dance with you. you. <laughs> Go. I'm glad to see you home and well, Jane, and the timing of your health could not be better. Mr. Bennet... 
Whatever do you mean? I hope, my dear, that you have ordered a good dinner today because I have reason to expect an addition to our family party. Who do you mean, my dear? I know of nobody that is coming, I am sure. Unless Charlotte Lucas should happen to call in. The person of whom I speak is a gentleman. <gasps> Has Mr. Bingley already asked to call upon us? <gasps> oh, but we have only just left Netherfield ourselves. How quick the messenger must have been. It is not Mr. Bingley. It is a person whom I never saw in the whole course of my life. It is my cousin, Mr. Collins, who, when I am dead, may turn you all out of this house as soon as he pleases. Ugh, I cannot bear to hear that mentioned. I do think it is the hardest thing in the world that your estate should be entailed away from your own children. I am sure if I had been you, I should have tried long ago to do something or other about it. Nothing can clear Mr. Collins from the guilt of inheriting Longbourn. Very soon, therefore, we may expect him. He seems to be a most conscientious and polite young man, upon my word, and I doubt not will prove a valuable acquaintance. Ugh, I shall have to speak to the cook about dinner tonight. Ugh, my poor nerves. I already feel such spasms coming on. It is not to be borne. What do you suppose could be the business of Mr. Collins in coming here? Were I to venture a guess, I would say it is to take inventory of the house before he is to inherit. Perhaps we ought to hide the silver. Lizzie! If he is single, there can be no doubt as to the true purpose of his visit, and Mamma will warm to him in an instant. Let us hope Mr. Collins has something to recommend him, else this will be a tiresome change from our time at Netherfield. Lizzie! You mustn't judge so. Not before you have even had occasion to meet him. Papa seems already weary of him, and he has not met him either. That is judgment enough for me. Now come along. What a very well-appointed room. The furnishings all seem to be the finest one could expect to see in such a place as Longbourn, which itself has proven to be a most pleasing house indeed. Not half so pleasing as its residence, I must say, for as I look at my present company, I may declare that though I have heard much about their beauty, it seems to me that in this instance, fame has fallen somewhat short of the truth. How gallant of you, Mr. Collins, and... I do hope for it to be true, as they are certainly destitute enough. Things are settled so oddly. You allude, perhaps, to the intel of this state. I do, indeed. It is a grievous affair to my poor children, you must confess. Not that I can find fault with you, for such things I know are all chance in this world. There is no knowing how estates will go once they come to be entailed. I am very sensible, madam, to the hardships to my fair cousins and could say much on the subject, but that I am cautious of appearing forward. But I can assure that I come prepared to admire your children. At present, I will not say more. I cannot recall a time when I have had a better meal. Indeed, it would seem to me that I will be neglecting all that is right if I did not give my compliments to the one responsible. For I have been as pleased with every bite as I have been by meals I have enjoyed with my esteemed patroness, Lady Catherine de Bourgh, I beg to know upon which of my fair cousins I may bestow my praise. Mr. Collins, we are very well able to keep a good cook. Oh, Mrs. Bennet, I beg your pardon. I am very sorry indeed if I have in any way offended. 
I am glad to hear that you are not in so dire a situation that you might not have sufficient help. It is so good to know that you and the rest of this dear family are well cared for. It pains me to imagine I might have slighted you well in the slightest. Your apologies are noted and appreciated, Mr. Collins, though wholly unnecessary. Your patroness... Lady Catherine de Bourg. Has she any family? She's a widow, but her daughter, Anne, is a young lady of superior beauty and elegance. And indeed, every mark in her features indicates she is of distinguished birth. She's unfortunately of a sickly constitution, which has prevented her from making that progress in many accomplishments, which she could not have otherwise felt of, as I am informed by Lady Catherine. I have more than once observed to Lady Catherine that her charming daughter seemed born to be a duchess. A generous observation, to be sure. These are the kind of little things which please her ladyship, and it is a sort of attention which I conceive myself peculiarly bound to pay. It is happy for you that you possess the talent of flattering with delicacy. May I ask whether these pleasing attentions proceed from the impulse of the moment or are the result of previous study? They arise chiefly from what is passing at the time, and though I sometimes amuse myself with suggesting and arranging such little elegant compliments as may be adapted to ordinary occasions, I always wish to give them as unstudied an air as possible. And is that a favorite pastime of yours, or are there other amusements you enjoy? I thank you for your inquiry, Miss Elizabeth. I quite enjoy reading, and Lady Catherine has more than once paid me compliment about my particular taste in books. I am glad to hear it. In fact, I have with me a copy of Fordyce's sermons, and after dinner I would like to read some aloud to you all. Must you? Lydia! Only would it not be better to read from a novel at least? I do not read novels, though I feel no surprise at your fondness for them. I have often observed how little people are interested by books of a serious stamp, though written solely for their benefit. It amazes me, I confess, for certainly there can be nothing so advantageous to them as instruction. Perhaps more advantageous, but far less amusing. We may play at cards then, Kitty, Lydia, so that we might have our share of entertainment while still benefiting from the knowledge Mr. Collins is so keen to impart. Hmm. I find myself in agreement with Mr. Collins as to the moral instruction of Fordyce's sermons. I very much look forward to your reading of them. <sighs> the quiet idealism of my own humble abode. It is a very good house, in fact, and now that I am in possession of it, and also that I have a very sufficient income, I intend to marry. As a matter of fact, my object in coming to Longbourn, which can be of no surprise to you, is to select a spouse from among your children. Oh, well, <laughs> Mr. Collins, I will not disguise from you that this pleases me greatly. I am glad to hear it. This was my plan of amends, of atonement for inheriting their father's estate. I thought it an excellent one, full of eligibility and suitableness and excessively generous. I cannot disagree. I must tell you that your eldest has caught my attention in particular. <gasps> oh, Mr. Collins, I regret to inform you that Jane is, in fact, very near to be engaged themselves. How happy for them, but unfortunate for me. I trust you have taken notice of Elizabeth? So very near to Jane, and such a beauty herself, and sure to be an excellent partner for anyone. Oh, yes. Miss Elizabeth. Yes. Indeed. Indeed.
think, Lizzie? The blue? The green. Though Mama will, of course, disagree. Mr. Wickham! Oh, Mr. Wickham, I am so very pleased to see you again so soon and unexpected. The pleasure is all mine, Miss Lydia. Who is that that Lydia is speaking with? I do not recognize them. Perhaps we ought to intervene. Theirs is a face too handsome to be trusted with Lydia for long. (laughs) Oh, these must be the elder siblings, to whom I have not yet had the pleasure of an introduction. Oh, yes, Jane and Elizabeth. When Sir William Lucas made us known to each other, Jane had fallen ill, and Lizzie, who likes nothing more than a dramatic moment, was tending to them. Lizzie, Jane, this is Mr. Wickham. We met him during your stay at Netherfield. We had a jolly time at the Lucas's. You must be sorry to have missed it. I am very sorry to have missed you, but entirely pleased to make your acquaintances now. Mr. Wickham is with the militia. So his apparel would indicate. And how are you enjoying Meryton, Mr. Wickham? I find that it surpasses even my own high expectations in every regard. But most of all in the excellent new friends I have had the pleasure of meeting... Is everyone here really so charming, or do you keep those who might tarnish my observations out of sight? I cannot bear to disappoint you. I will only say that we are happily acquainted with many charming people indeed. If present company is any indication, I shall follow suit the longer I stay here. There you are. I have been all up and down the streets searching. Oh, Jane, I hope you are not selecting that green ribbon. Not when blue is so much better suited for your complexion. Mama. For certain, that is Lizzie's influence. Mama. It is no matter. We shall rectify this right away. Mama. Yes, Lydia, what is it? Oh. You will not have met my mother yet, Mr. Wickham, for she was visiting with my aunt the day we were introduced. Oh, Mr. Wickham. I have heard your name once or twice from Lydia. How very good it is to meet you at last. You must forgive me, prattling on about the color of Jane's ribbons and you standing by unseen. And yet you have such a pretty manner to you that I fancy you will forgive my oversight. There is naught to forgive, Mrs. Bennet. And if I may be so forward, I find I quite agree with you. So vibrant a blue cannot help but compliment Jane's beauty. They will be certain to catch many an eye, although I dare say all of your children are oft admired. I do always say that my Jane looks best in blue. They must listen to me more often. Oh, but Mama... It is a shame that it is not their own preference, but we who gaze upon others may better see what sets them off to good advantage than they do themselves. Do you not agree? Oh, certainly. Although... Yes, Mr. Wickham? Whatever might you be thinking to have such a bemused countenance in contemplation of a bagatelle? Upon my word, the green they selected. I must admit that although I overlooked it in favour of the blue, now that I've given it fair consideration, I can scarce imagine any better colour. Really? Do you think so? I do, truly. It is enchanting, madam. One must, upon seeing it, lend its bearer a warm countenance. Well... Perhaps, then, Jane, your choice has merit enough. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mr. Wickham. Not at all. Well, I suppose I ought not to worry. Jane's beauty so outshines that of anyone else that no ribbon has the power to diminish them. Do you not agree, Mr. Wickham? 
Each member of your family to whom I have been introduced is of such surpassing loveliness, Mrs. Bennet. I could scarce choose among them and implore you not to ask such an impossibility of me. Oh, each of my children have their beauties, but surely it is not fair to compare them to Jane when they have such advantages. Mama, I beg you. My Elizabeth is near to Jane, certainly, though her own prettiness is of a different kind. I cannot imagine a finer companion for dinner or dancing. And I will not embarrass the young woman in question with a dissertation upon her appearance in particular, except to say that I see no deficit in her or any of her siblings. Oh, <laughs> how good of you, Mr. Wickham. How generous a thing to say. I'm only honest, Mrs. Bennet. It is quite clearly a family trait. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, come along, children. We must be off before the day is gone and our errands but half complete. Allow me. Oh, thank you. Oh, Mr. Wickham. Mr. Bingley! Jane, look, it's your Mr. Bingley! Kitty, he's not mine. Hello, Mr. Bingley! Oh, hello! What a happy thing to see all of you here. What brings you to town, Mr. Bingley? As it happens, I was riding to see you at Longbourn. Oh, to inquire after Jane, no doubt. It is very lucky that we are all here together. What a day! It seems as though we are meeting all sorts. Only just now we have met Mr. Wickham. Hello. Miss Darcy? Darcy! I, I apologize. I do not know what can be the matter with my friend. Mr. Wickham, I'm glad to make your acquaintance, and I hope you're finding your stay here quite pleasant. I am very much, I thank you. Are you inviting Mr. Wickham to your ball, Mr. Bingley? I have not forgotten your promise. <laughs> Nor have I, I assure you. Mr. Wickham, I do hope you will attend. I would be honoured and very much look forward to it. I'm glad to hear it. If you will all excuse me, I should go after Miss Darcy. Good day, Mr. Bingley. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Yes, good day. I do hope Miss Darcy has not put a cloud over your day, Mr. Wickham. She is not much changed from when last we met. Are you much acquainted with her? I am. I have known her since we were children. I confess I am quite relieved to see that you are not taken with her as her friend, Mr. Bingley, so clearly is. It always gives me pain to meet her. I hope her presence at Mr. Bingley's ball will not discourage your attendance. Oh, no. It is not for me to be driven away by Miss Darcy. If she wishes to avoid seeing me, she must go. I have no reason for avoiding her, but what I might proclaim before all the world. A sense of very great ill usage. Her father, Miss Bennet, the late Mr. Darcy, was one of the best men that ever breathed and the truest friend I ever had. And I can never be in company with this Miss Darcy without being grieved to the soul by a thousand tender recollections. Her behaviour to myself has been scandalous. Has it? I have been a disappointed man. A military life is not what I was intended for, but circumstances have now made it eligible. The late Mr. Darcy bequeathed me a generous living. I cannot do justice to his kindness. He meant to provide for me amply. I thought he had done it. But when the living fell... It was given elsewhere by Miss Darcy. This is quite shocking. She deserves to be publicly disgraced. But what can have induced her to behave so cruelly? Had the late Mr. Darcy liked me less, his daughter might have borne with me better. But her father's uncommon attachment to me irritated her, I believe, very early in life. 
I am astonished at her intimacy with Mr. Bingley. He is a sweet-tempered, amiable, charming man. He cannot know what Miss Darcy is. Probably not. But Miss Darcy can please where she chooses. Among those who are at all her equals in fortune, she is a very different woman from what she is to the less prosperous. Her pride never deserts her, but with the rich, she is perhaps agreeable. I have never been so glad not to be rich. Miss Darcy may have all the fortune in the world, but she will never know real companionship. I feel rather sorry for her, for it is a sad fate no matter what sort of person faces it. You are too generous, Mr. Wickham, too good to her. It is kindness she has not earned. Life is too fleeting to pass through it in bitterness, Miss Elizabeth. If I allowed it, I might have ended up as cold and cruel as Miss Darcy, and then certainly would not have been of a disposition that would allow me to make your good acquaintance. How unfortunate that would have been. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I am very glad to know what a good judge of character you are. It is a quality that will serve you well all throughout your life. Yes, that is where I shall admit to pride. I have always been quite adept at seeing the truth in people. Queer, Pride and Prejudice, based on the novel by Jane Austen, was created by Cassie Josephs and Caroline Minx, and was adapted and directed by Caroline Minx and Evan Tess Murray. Original music was composed by Trace Callahan, with sound design by Brad Colbrook and Tal Minear. This episode featured the voices of Lizette Alvarez as Mary, Jordan Cobb as Elizabeth, Alexander Dottie as Wickham, Alexander and Demian Hernandez-Diaz as Mr. Collins, Sawyer Green as Bingley, Eleanor Gray as Jane, Caroline Minx as Darcy, Evan Tess-Murray as Mr. Bennett, Kalila Roney as Lydia, Sarah Ray Warner as Mrs. Bennett, and Chijoki B. Williams as Kitty. Follow us on Twitter at QueerPridePod, and visit our website at QueerPridePod.Wixsite.com pride.